Are you an adventurer looking to take your hunt to the next level? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to East Meets West Hunt with your host, Bo Martonic. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the East Meets West Hunt podcast presented by Spartan Forge. On today's episode, I am joined by Brett Joy and John Lewis of the Just Hunt Club. We met up in the big woods of Pennsylvania during, it was actually like late summer, uh, to talk about Brett and John's experience learning to hunt Pennsylvania compared to some of the other northeastern states. We discussed hunting creek bottoms, a three-year strategy to learn a new area, sitting in the same tree versus bouncing around, and learning from tracking deer and much more. The episode is brought to you by Spartan Forge, and the Spartan Forge app utilizes years of military background and machine learning to pull from millions of data points to accurately predict deer movement, including GPS data, 30 years of weather, academic, and state research. The new app includes GPS mapping with incredible aerial imagery, offline dependability, deer prediction, weather updates, journal entries, and much more. The beta app is released now to those of you that were lucky enough to get in at that lower cost that I've been talking about on here, but they had met their goal in just a day and and temporarily closed down the app just to these beta testers. So the purpose of beta testing is for the consumer to get the product at that lower price while providing feedback to work out the final bugs before it goes full scale. Once you can still sign up online, and when the app releases, you'll be able to get that um, using the code East Meets West. You'll save twenty five percent off the Spartan Forge app at SpartanForge.ai. Tethered is a company founded on the principles of educating the hunting community on saddle hunting while creating the most innovative, lightweight, safe products for saddle hunting. They have mobile hunting gear options for all types of hunters, and continue to push the envelope. So if you want to learn more about tethered and saddle hunting, head over to tetherednation.com. Maven is building the highest quality optics at half of the price of their competitors through their direct-to-consumer business model. They want to create the best optics for the job, period. Their products are back with a lifetime, no-fault warranty, and an incredible customer experience. I'm currently using the B3 8x30 binos in all my whitetail hunts super lightweight feel like they're not even there and they do really well in low light for that small package you can use the coupon code east meets west dash gift for a free gift with any full price optics order at mavenbuilt.com go wild is a free social community built by hunters for hunters join me on go wild today to get 10 bucks to spend on gear for just setting up your account you'll keep unlocking go wild rewards and you can now see my gear setups underneath my profile. Uh, you can join at timetogowild.com or just by going to your app store and looking up Go Wild. You can use the code EASTMEETSWEST to save 10% off of all of the hunting gear on the website. All right, so what's new? Um, well, this uh, past weekend here, uh, I so that would have been the the weekend of like October sixteenth, seventeenth. I got out on Sunday to do some scouting. I was doing some housework on on Saturday during the rain. There, it's kind of nice. 
I have to admit to be tagged out and choosing when I when I go out and spend time in the woods. But um, so anyways, I went out scouting, um, pulling some cameras that batteries had died, some of my cell cameras and and uh, moving them around a little bit, putting some fresh batteries in, dropping more cameras for Intel for next year. And the sign was still really slow. I didn't find much for scrapes, not much for rubs. Uh, but I know it was going to heat up and it did actually Sunday evening. Um, but anyways, when I was in there, uh, I ended up jumping one of the bucks that, uh, I've been watching a four year old 10 point. Um, I jumped him bedded in a really weird kind of an odd spot. So the area that I was in, um, it's, it's not like giant, they're not giant mountains. It's some more hill type country, big woods, and with some plateaus and long flat areas and this buck was bedded on the middle of a flat area with some beach brush to his back wind coming over his back and uh he just saw me by the time i got in front of him i was like within 40 yards of him and he jumped up and took off but beautiful deer super wide kind of low tine 10 point he was an eight last year that uh, I'd actually nicknamed Iffy because he was iffy if I wanted to shoot him. <laughs> um, but uh, last year, this year I would definitely shot him. But he's a beautiful deer. And uh, so that was, that was exciting to be able to see that. So I moved some cameras around, um, freshened up my own scrapes. But Sunday night, my cell cam started lighting up along with just about anyone else I know that um, that is running cameras or running cell cameras where they had that intel it that cold front blew in over the weekend sunday was just a really good day had some rain even got some hail while i was out in the woods and they were out freshening those scrapes up right after that rain and even into monday had some cold weather and today as i'm recording this tuesday uh we, i had 30 to 31 degrees in my house this morning and frost on the windshield just beautiful weather um so it's it's on the verge of, you know starting to get good here um, I had bought my New York license. So I got a deer and bear tag in New York that came in the mail. I'm going to head up there this weekend and do some scouting. I don't know if I'm just going to spend a day up there, if I'm going to spend two days yet. Um, you know, I, if I find some hot sign, I plan on hunting it, but I've never been to the area. So it's more so I'm going to, I'm going to scout it. Might even, uh, drop a couple cameras. If I have cell service, I'm going to bring up two cell cameras and see but really uh, me getting this tag and hunting this i'm not not i'm going up just to kind of learn a new area uh, experience a new place and i don't really have um you know high goals or anything for hunting this uh, i'm gonna shoot whatever buck if i have the opportunity that that gets my heart pumping that might be a small little basket basket rack buck that might be a bigger one i don't know until that time but i'm not thinking too hard into it i'm just going to go up and try to try to i guess what, what, what do they call it freelancing it so i'm just going to go up and scout and find some hot sign and try to hunt it over the next few weekends and even in the end of the beginning of november and i just solidified my plans last night on what i'm going to do during the rut so since i have a week of vacation now that I'm not using here in Pennsylvania. So uh, after I'm going to be a part of the Spartan Forge Veterans 
uh, day weekend hunt in Pennsylvania. Going to be there for that. And then as soon as that ends, I'm heading to southern West Virginia to hunt with Josh Ilderton of the Untamed. Going to go down there and do some spot and stock whitetails in some of that coal mine country um, and just some big rugged mountain hunting um, sounds like I'm going to do a little mixture of hunting from the ground, hunting from the tree, whatever. I'm going to try to learn a lot from Josh and, and hunt on my own and just see what, see what can happen. But I'm going to be down there probably about six days of hunting and, uh, huh, I'm, I'm really excited about that. So that'll be like November the 14th or 14th to like the 20th or so I'll be down there. So it'll, it should be, should be pretty good. A lot of it, a lot of exciting things going on. And uh, I also have uh, restocked uh, one of the new mountain buck, or one of the not new, it's the timber cut mountain buck hat that had been sold out for a while. I finally got that back in stock on the website. Um, so you're the first hearing about that. Uh, that was a highly requested item to get back in stock. And I have a couple other new items that I need to get up on the website yet when I get some time um, that, that, uh, I think, I think you'll like, and got some other apparel. It's been on order, but I, I don't think I'll see that till probably December, um, maybe end of November. It's so tough right now trying to get, get stuff in stock. Everything's months out, not just weeks like it normally is. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's kind of what's going on. It's pretty exciting. Um, I'm getting, I'm getting pumped up to get back in the woods actually hunting. So going to New York will be fun. And, um, I, it's funny. I'm getting a lot of messages asking me where I'm going and I, I'm sorry, but I'm not going to give that information out, but I'll be hunting big woods. I'll be hunting. Yeah. Be hunting big woods, public land in New York. That's my plan. So anyways, anyone is out, uh, hunting, got a tag in your pocket it's about to get real good. So cold front coming in uh, through the Northeast here this weekend. Uh, I think it could be a real good time to hunt those scrapes. So anyways, enjoy this podcast here with Brett Joy and John Lewis. All right. We're live from the truck bed. That's <laughs> truck, I guess. John and Brett, welcome to the show. Brett, you've been on here before. Yep. And, uh, but John, this is, this is your first time. Yeah. It's my maiden voyage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it was good to, good to get to run into you guys here and, and you got a hold of me and said you were coming back to hunt Pennsylvania this year and you were coming up in the middle of the summer to scout. So I knew you were serious. Yeah. I've been, <laughs> man, I was like all summer, like, am I going to go up there? Am I going to do this? Am I going to do this? And I want to, I want to hunt here and, and kill a good buck and PA on public land in the big woods and. I was like, if I'm going to do that, I'm probably going to have to put some time in and, and actually plan and get something done. So, yeah, um, yeah. yeah you we just got a little the, taste of it last fall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were here for last October for the Public Land Challenge and yeah. uh, had fun, liked the country. It's pretty similar to where I hunt at home um, as far as a lot of the, the – well, I'd say if you, if you replace Red Oak with – the cherries with red oak, it would be really similar. That's about the biggest difference, I would say. Yeah. Um, other than the soil, you guys have a, is it pretty clay? Clay-based yeah, soil? Yeah, yeah. You have like a bet. clay soil, and we have like a loamy, rocky stuff, uh, sandy, um, junky soil that junky. doesn't grow much. 
<laughs> doesn't grow much. Yeah, but other than that, it, it's it's pretty similar. Elevations are similar. Uh, like I said, the, the vegetation's similar. The regrowth's pretty similar. Um, but yeah, so I, I liked coming out here and seeing that it was similar. I'm like, oh, I probably can figure this out. Yeah, you know, no, definitely. It's not going to be the, exactly the same, but similar enough. Yeah. And I was, I was uh, pleasantly surprised at the size of the woods around here. You know, it's pretty big woods and some fairly mountainous stuff. So yeah, yeah, it all it. depends. It's it's like yeah, a lot of plateau type areas yeah, where it could be area, flat for miles. Yeah. And I better not say too much detail. Yeah, there. yeah, yeah. Start giving things away. <laughs> <laughs> um, but before we go a little more into it, John, do you want to give a little background on yourself here? Yeah. So I'm from New. Well, I'm from southeastern Pennsylvania, um, but I live just a couple hours east uh, in New York and. Um, Grew up in southeastern Pennsylvania, worked out in Iowa for Midwest Whitetail um, with Zach and Aaron and Greg, all the guys from the hunting public now. I worked out there from 2013 until 2015, and then uh, my wife and I moved back to western New York area and been residing there ever since and missing a bunch of deer and chasing ducks and geese, really, is kind of my, was my upbringing um was waterfowl i did a lot of deer hunting but um waterfowl was kind of my bread and butter for the last seven or eight years and now i'm getting more into deer hunting than i was before uh just with time and everything and with what we're doing on the channel now so yeah yeah the just hunt club youtube channel you guys have been putting out a variety of content like you said all all through the northeast and other places but that's that's why I resonate so much with your guys' channel because the the northeastern stuff like that's obviously home home to me too and it's it's very it's it's awesome to see people putting out right. content one at the level that you're doing and at the frequency which definitely uh, comes with a lot of work. Yeah, you don't see many guys really at all in the northeast putting out. Well, you do, but yeah. maybe there's not so heavy on the not, there's nobody not so heavy on the <laughs> on the YouTube side, but yeah, yeah, we've been trying to stay consistent and give the guys in the Northeast something they can relate. It's to. It's such a cool just, area. I yeah. mean, there's so many opportunities, and when it people is. think of the Northeast, they think of big cities and you know the East Coast and a lot of people, which there is, but there's a lot of a lot of wildlife out there, and there's a lot of really cool opportunities that you can chase only on the East Coast or the West Coast. So it's yep, and it's uh, not easy. Compared no. to the rest of the country, so which makes it hard for putting out right. YouTube videos. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, no, it's like it's hard. But people yeah. want to do see it. People killing yeah. shit, and it's like, yeah, right, it's not <laughs> yeah. that easy. Yeah. Here. Here's Brett sniffling in a stand for twelve days straight, <laughs> seeing <laughs> one deer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. I love that. It's like uh, I'll even like question myself. Be sitting in the tree for days, months on end for the most part. Yeah. It's yep. like, man, this. I, every time I think I'm I'm doing all right and think I got something figured out, it still takes me forever. <laughs> right. It's not even the same thing. I always get home from like a trip, wherever, and like I'm like all jazzed. I'm like, okay, kill the buck and wherever this place, this state, and get back. And I'm like, oh great, it's like October fifth or whatever. And I'm like, I'm gonna get out there and you know, check my cameras or something or go sit and hunt in New Hampshire. And it's like. I get out here. I'm like, this is just hard. <laughs> this is even the same thing. <laughs> yeah. Like, this is not even it like for you know a day or two. I'm kind of like, feel bad for yourself, but then yeah. realize that that's why it's so rewarding when it does happen is because it is that hard. And 
you know, if you can be successful in, in this part of the country, you're really doing something. So, yeah. Oh, it was definitely, it was cool. Cause so Brett, I had you on the podcast. I, I was trying to remember if it was last, I think it might've been last October. And then I ran, sounds, yeah, 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 right. yeah, think, yeah. Then, then we met up, you know, here for the public land challenge and that's where I met John at and everything. And, and you guys, that was your first time. Well, you've been in Pennsylvania. You grew up in yep. Pennsylvania, but your first time hunting in PA. I want to just hear kind of what your thought processes was coming into a, a new area. You know, you're used to hunting big woods, but different states, so there yeah. is some ver- variety there. Um, so I think one of the uh, I already touched on it, but the biggest difference I think from a lot of the areas I hunt in New Hampshire, not all of them, but a lot of them have pretty significant. Um, stands of red oak um we kind of lose those as we get north and get higher in elevation but a fair amount do i think that not having oak here or many oaks in this particular area i know there's some oaks in on public land in pennsylvania but this area does more favors cherry um that was one of the bigger things uh is to recognize that difference and realize that there's not gonna be a mass crop to focus on and that are gonna you know, focus deer and deer activity. So without a mass crop, I always look for early succession growth and browse. And so that usually comes in the way of clear cuts or selective cuts, logging operations. So my biggest thing was um, that's what I wanted to look for. And I selected an area with a lot of it, hundreds and hundreds of acres of, of early succession growth and, and actually various stages of succession um, in good edge habitat um, and an area you can get off the road a good good way yeah so that's kind of what it looked at we kind of had a starting spot anyway that we had to be within you know relatively close to so we could have driven you know an hour in every direction but in this general area this just looked like a good a good spot um having those different habitat types being able to get off the road and so that was what i focused on when i got here everything looked fairly you know similar to home so i felt pretty comfortable right off the bat um, one of the things that I noticed, the, another big difference was it really seems like the deer around here are absolutely like relating to these cuts more than anything else. And I know I said, that's what I was looking for. You'd think that's what you expect, but our deer at home will relate to the cuts to an extent, but it seems like they spent a lot of time in, uh, you know, mature timber and away from the cuts as well. And they don't bed in the cuts. They'll feed in the cuts, you know, go around the cuts, but it seems like the deer on here are just like living in these cuts or on the edges of them which was interesting so we walked i don't know 10 miles that first day we scouted and i we walked across some really good topography features where i figured there'd be some sign and it was like bacon and deer sign and i think it's just because we weren't close enough to those cuts so that was interesting so that that just solidified the fact that we need to be right in the middle of these yeah. cuts like next to them on the edges of them sometimes in them so i think that was the biggest difference is the deer out here without like a mass crop they're not going to be in the up high you know immature timber if there's no mass crop um yeah. i mean they to an extent they will be but the highest concentration of, of them is going to be near those those cuts so that that was interesting so that plays a really big role but i think that actually makes it easier from a gut for a person coming to hunt or trying to find a new area because cuts are really easy to identify on an aerial photo whereas oaks can can be easy but sometimes they're not so easy and you know oaks are um 
depending upon what area of the country you're in, they can be fickle. Some years they produce, sometimes they, they won't. And so that can kind of, that will dictate whether one area is good year, one year or the other. If you have a clear cut that's been cut two years ago, it's going to be good for eight years straight. It's going to, the movement and the behavior and how the deer relate to it, it's going to be fairly similar for an extended period of time. It's going to be consistent. You can almost bank on that being the same year after year after yeah. year. Whereas if you have oaks um, that aren't producing like a whole hillside or mountainside of oaks that isn't producing where it did the year before, you may see drastically different deer behavior in that area and they just may not be there. So I actually prefer this type of area. Um, I know that the cherries do have a bit, but it doesn't seem like it's a yeah, it's you know, not, thing you can bank on. It's no, a it's short a, period. Most of the time, the cherries seem to drop and be off the trees and scooped up by the end of September. A lot of maybe you might get in the beginning of October a little bit, but it's not easy to rely on. Um, but th- what you just said there is exactly like what I've found is like most of the areas I hunt don't have oaks, and some the areas I do. But when I first started hunting an area that had like mostly oaks. I was like lost at first because the sign I'd found in the spring when it didn't have acorns on the top, like I'm like, there's no deer anywhere. Yeah. Like, I left cameras up and nothing. But when you find these areas that don't have that mass crop and you have say cuts or whatever else, they seem to year after year do similar things. Bucks might die, but other ones move in or mm-hmm. they're, you can find scrapes that are 20, 25 years old that are just being, you know, For sure. Yep. But, and and then, so when you guys were, we're in here, you know, scouting because you only were here for what three days? Yeah, three days. Yeah. And you didn't sit in the tree a whole lot, did you? I think we sat three times a morning yeah, we sat a and morning two evenings. And yeah, yeah, morning and two evenings. Yeah. yeah, and then Zach shot his buck, and so we kind of missed two sits helping him track, which is fun. I mean, it wasn't honestly, and like going into a place like this and <laughs> hunting for three days and one of it scouting. The expectation to kill a buck is not high. Like, you don't yep. think. It's just more to get out there, see it, learn a little bit, and, you know, maybe Oh, it gave us something. a good head start for right 100%. now. 100%. Oh, yeah, 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 100%. Like, we could come, it allowed us to come today and bang it, out a bunch of work. For sure. And, and one of the, I actually think we maybe came at one of the best times to scout because we were here, I think, October, like, 20s, the early yeah. 20s, maybe. Yeah. And there was so much sign laid down. Because that's a period where they're laying down a bunch of sign, rub scrapes, all, t- and we saw it all. So we could really like hone in on that sign, that fresh sign, and everything was super evident. Because I mean, we're looking at scrapes that were made the night before rather than trying to look at something, you know, that's weeks old or months old or six months old. Yeah. <clears throat> so I think probably, you know, that late October time frame, mid to late October, early November. And then, you know, the spring after snow's off are probably the two best times to look for, like, that buck sign. Um, so we're here during a really good time, and we learned a lot. And we found a bunch of sign and, you know, gave us a huge head start today, which we came back and hung cameras in essentially the same spots. We didn't really yeah. get to any new ones. We were hoping to, but we kind of weren't really efficient with our time today and <laughs> didn't get as much done as we hoped. Ah, that, always, that always happens. But always happens. And it's funny was, so Brett told me about one specific spot, and he's like, I don't know if I'm going to get back here to hunt mm-hmm. it, but like you need to hunt this or check it out at least. And, and so anyways, I never got around to it, but I was telling my dad about it and he's like, well, and he hunts an area somewhat close to where you were at. And he's like, well, I'll go check it out for you or whatever. And he dropped a camera hoping to help you guys when you're coming back to scout or to hunt in the fall. Well, 
the camera never worked. It never yeah, took any didn't photos. Didn't take any pictures. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we're all fired so up. We were going pretty to, like, oh, the camera's going to be there. Yeah. And we're like, oh, there it is. Oh, it looks good. And it was like, on. Yeah. It was, yeah. yeah. Oh, and it was on. And I turned it on. The batteries were, it was working. And I'm like, hey, it says no pictures. But sometimes the readouts will say no pictures. Yeah. We pop the card and there is pictures. But there's no pictures on the card. Didn't yeah, we anything. tested it afterwards, too, to see. And it yeah, yeah, we did. We tried to see if, like, anything. I wasn't taking any pictures. So. Uh, yeah. But that's all right. I mean, we know. I mean, <laughs> from the sign we saw um, in the habitat, we know there's good deer. On yeah. There. Oh, yeah. We just, it doesn't, you know. And we have a camera there now that probably is taking, it's probably working. Yeah. <laughs> so we should have a good idea of what's in the area. And- and one of the other things I know you and I have talked about, like, it was the difference between where you're at and here is, like, when I was talking to you about hunting bottoms and stuff, and yeah, that's not something you typically do. And No, our bottoms are a lot different. You have, um, you have these, so our bottoms are super rocky, and they're, like, small, like, really skinny. Okay. Um, so like gullies. Almost. Yeah, we just yeah. have, like, they're, yeah, they're, like. There's no actual bottom, if you will. Yeah, it's, just it's straight up. It's hill creek in the bottom. And so, like, the deer aren't running that because they're on, like, a steep side hill. Yeah. Super rocky. They're probably up from that. They cross them. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. But you, down in this area, there's actual, like, bottoms. They may be 100 yards wide, 200 yards wide, that type of thing. And it seems like the bottoms have really good habitat and browse. Yeah, they do. And uh, so we focused, we focused half our time today and last october in those bottoms and man did we find a ton of sign um and yeah it's pretty cool i i the i think the wind thing is going to be interesting hunting down there but they're a little bigger so it may be a little more consistent and less swirling than some of these really like narrow bottoms um but yeah we do really don't have them we have like it's not creek bottoms. It's like a big flat bottom area, like a swampy bottom mm. at the base of a mountain that may be 200 acres of okay. flat. Yeah. Um, so like, or bigger than that, like even. So that we'll hunt those. And the wind usually is consistent on those because it's big enough and long enough that you can get a consistent wind. And, and there's pretty good deer and pretty good activity in those bottoms at home. I would say that in the mountain areas that we hunt, the bucks tend to be up high though until probably the second week in November. And then they really are in the bottoms. But, um, that doesn't mean that there isn't bucks in the bottoms earlier in the year. There's definitely is. Um, but just the being able to actually hunt them and kill them is a different story. Yeah. It's tougher in those, but they're on the right. We have good luck. Yeah. Hunting like big swampy bottoms for sure. But, uh, earlier in the season, they can be kind of tough. Um, it seems like, you can't. I don't know. It's they're just they're just tough for a multitude of reasons. I think, but they can be really good, especially with their gun. <laughs> when you can see over like yeah. swamp, that's a huge advantage. Like where Both, Ross, Ross, yeah, where curly. Ross killed his that's buck a curly. Pretty, oh, good. That, yeah, yeah, that was that's a, a New Hampshire bottom. Yeah. yeah, that's a pretty typical spot right there. Um, but yeah, you guys had that on video, didn't you? Yep. Yeah. 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 Okay, I was just sad. I remember yeah. watching that. Yeah. 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 That was a. Awesome. Yeah, that that bottom is on, that's on fire. Like that's just such a great spot is, uh, it, you know, that there's a cut down that bottom and then there's, well, selective cut. There's, um, 
like actual swamp with like water and like a channel and like a creek running through it. Then you have some like swale grass, some cattails. It's like a super diverse bottom, lots of food, lots of habitat, lots of cover. And like, there's a ton of does that live down there year round and the bucks will come off the mountains and go down into there looking for does. And they'll continually cycle through that bottom. And we have like a couple stands and spots where they seem to always come through there when they're going through the bottom. So, and that's one of the yeah. spot that Ross killed that buck curly a couple of years back, really nice six and a half year old mountain buck. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the bottoms are, they're interesting. They're definitely different. I'm still, and I, I guess I, my question for you is like, do, do you see a lot of activity like daylight before the rut in those bottoms or not, not really? really. Okay. I, I don't really hunt them early in the bottoms just okay. because the wind is harder when it's warmer. Mm-hmm. Once it gets colder, you get more consistent down yeah. th- thermal, especially sure. close to the cricks, but, or you have just it's so cold that you start your thermals go straight up and from coming off of you and in the water and everything. So like, I typically don't hunt them early unless I get like an apple orchard or something that's in the bottom Mm -hmm. early on. I'll try it, but it's, it's iffy with the, with the wind. So I I don't typically, and my cameras are mostly, I'd say probably around October 18th or so, they start turning up maybe even a little bit earlier, but that's mostly nighttime. And then yep. as you start getting that last week, October, that's when the daylight activity bottoms or some seekers start out looking and cruising those, those bottoms. My favorite time to hunt. So to hunt community scrapes in the bottoms is that last week of October, a hundred percent. Kind of what we're banking on. And we got a couple of really good, well, yeah. potential setups that we hung cameras yeah. today on, on big scrapes and that's kind of what we're hoping to do this year is come back that last week in october that last week in october in new hampshire it can be good but it's not like great i think it's i think that we, we probably get the activity you guys did last week in october the first week in november mm-hmm. so imagine what the third week in october is here can be good, but not. Yeah, yeah it's, it's kind of like very infrequent. It's kind of how we are at, at home. So it's like that's that's nice because we can come here in a ideal time and hunt yeah. scrapes, not burn um, yourself not, out at home. <laughs> yeah, and, and yeah, and then still get back to hunt the best part of the season at home. So that was kind of like the game plan. Might not work. I don't know. We don't have a ton of time, but yeah. we're gonna try it. So. <laughs> yep. The other time for bottoms is like if you get like beaver pond pinch point type stuff that that's like second week in november for me like well like probably from like the seventh or even to about the 14th but seventh to the 11th is like that time frame in those spots you're not going to see many deer but when they come cruising through there's a good chance of a a, you seeing a good one in that and we got a camera in one of those exact spot you described too so (laughs) yeah see (laughs) yeah that's I, i i i would hope that it shows true to you i there, think we're but. gonna so we'll probably hunt late october and then leave the cameras for the year and yeah. see what happens after we leave yeah um, and then they're gonna they're gonna leave them here for me and i'm gonna scoop them all you up go. and <laughs> you have to go out there in your snowshoes and check them all <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly yeah but. i think that's something to key in on too is like if you are looking to do something like this it's not of right out of the gate thing like it can take a couple years to yeah. really get it figured out keep coming back and pick away at it um especially big woods on public right there's there's no quick it's so intimidating big woods right there can be some luck but not right, right. not yeah. actual 
Yeah. No, and that's and I and that's why I kicked myself in the butt this summer, and I was like, all right, I'm going out. I got to start this process because I want to do it. And it's if you keep waiting, there's the best time to be, start yeah. learning the big woods or hunting them was last year. <laughs> yeah, that's really like what what it's like. And so, and we kind of did last year, so that's good. But I was like, I gotta get some cameras out, gotta start to learn how these deer move in this particular area because you we can talk in generalizations about how the deer move in the big woods in particular areas, but until you go with it's really site specific. I think yeah. um, it varies so much. And so I could talk to you and you may have hunted three miles on the road, 10 miles on the road, you know, 20 miles on the road, but it may be different yep. exactly where we are. So we need to learn this spot and how the deer are moving here. And we're not going to do that. Um, if we're not either spending a bunch of time in the woods, which we don't have to yeah. spend or run cameras. So that's what we opted to do. And that's, it seems to work for me in these type of settings is getting cameras and let them, you know, do the work for us and learn from them. And we might not even be on a deer this year, but maybe we leave the cameras and figure out that this one spot blows up first week in November. We have four different mature bucks and it's like, okay, maybe in 2022, we'll come back and hunt that week. You know, that seems to be how the success comes. Um, a lot of the times and you can and you can learn you can learn so much by leaving those cameras there and it actually probably helps that you're not here to move them or do anything because like the spots i just leave them it it could be dead for an entire month and then all of a sudden for three days it's wild and you're like all right that's giving me some intel we see that what i need so much like we won't get a deer in a camera for like september and october and then like and then even maybe the first week of november then all of a sudden it's like a light switch and it's like four mature bucks walk down that trail in one week and two of them are in daylight like yeah what the heck and if you didn't have that camera that you'd never know and that's how we learn and and found a lot of the good spots that we have in new england is just leaving those cameras up and running a lot of them (laughs) yeah yeah i always i mean i the number one thing i spend money on and spend time doing other than like sitting in a tree is running cameras for sure yeah that's i mean that's when you don't when you have to Everyone has a time crunch of some sort. Yep. You can't spend all the time in the woods scouting and cameras just teach you so much. I mean, and like what you guys are doing here, I mean, even though I'm from Pennsylvania, I have spots that I, I look at it all from a three-year strategy. That's normally how long it would take me to kind of slightly figure out an area. Like I had some spots I scout in the spring. I dropped four or five cameras and... I won't go back to it this entire year till probably next shed season. Some of them might be dead. Maybe something yeah. happened, a bear ripped it off a tree, whatever. But that's how I'm going to learn as far as moving forward. And, and all right, all right. Now I notice, you know, this elevation type line, what was going on? Was there acorns there? Was there, you know, whatever it might be. And then you can kind of start adjusting and fine tuning that plan. It seems like if you can leave your cameras from October 15th to the end of November, that's going to be the time you're going to learn the most and probably, I think, in these types of big woods areas, you're going to learn the most and get the most out of it and maybe learn something that you can capitalize on the following year. Yeah. Early season can be so fickle. I mean, a deer could be doing one thing one year and then in September or early October and next year he's a mile away. He's still in the area, but he's on some other, you know, maybe he's on cherries and they dropped a little later one year and then the next year he's on whatever browse it's you know so that's that early season stuff seems to change every single year that's why like when i i have stands that i hang for like late october and november and i'll hang them in january whenever i get out there because i know based on annual data that they're going to continually be good so it doesn't matter when i hang them like i know like i know now where i'm going to be sitting in november in new hampshire and i also knew 
last December where I was going to be sitting this November and nothing's going to change. Yeah. Like, I'm going to sit there. So, and it's all based on historical trail camera data and, on and a particular that's, bike. And that's where things are differ from like other pieces of like our farm country, other yes. stuff where like, you know, the, the whole run and gun style. I mean, I, 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 I hunt, I don't really have any fixed stands anymore, but the same thing is it doesn't mean I'm not hunting the same trees. Right. Like I have spots that are yeah. picked, especially during the rut type time frame. Yeah, for sure. A lot of that stuff is annually right. perennial. It's just that data helps out so much for that. And I've got caught and getting caught and seeing everybody moving around and social media and saying, you got to do this, you got to do that. And then I'm like, why don't I just stay true to sitting in this same spot sometimes or same couple of spots and bouncing around and, and, you know, earlier in the season that can change. Early, food, I don't hang food, stands for early no, season until food, food I'm about to hunt them. so yeah, much. Yeah, yeah. They can change yep. daily really, but it's, it's, yeah, I totally agree. And you know, the, the other thing is, you know, sitting in the same spot is not for everybody too. You know, yeah. that doesn't mean that, I mean, your dad kills bucks walking, logging roads and grunting, right? So he's not sitting, I mean, maybe he does at some point yeah. in the season, but there's, there's different ways to do it. It just seems like if you want to have like an approach and a process that's going to work and you can plan to do it, that may be the way to be the most successful and set yourself up for success. But that doesn't mean you have to do it that way. I mean, a lot of guys can't sit in a tree for like days Zach. on end. Zach yeah, Fairmore. sure. Exactly. Yeah. Zach doesn't, he has no desire to do it. And so he shouldn't. Yeah. And he found other ways to be successful that suits his personality, which is awesome. Um, but you know, that's the way that I, I've found success is, is learning about these spots, learning about even particular deer more, I guess, precisely. And then, you know, hopefully they make it to the next year and the next year. And then you have a couple of years of information on them and then, they may die or they may move, but a lot of the times they're going to be right there again doing the same type of thing and you can bank on it. And it helps when there's like a couple, two or three good bucks doing a similar thing. So you kind of double your chances. Yeah. Because it's tough to hunt one buck in the big woods. If you have like <laughs> two or three doing the same thing, you're like, okay, I got a couple of shooting here and, you know, that that helps. Yeah. But not every area has more than one, so. Yeah, I like I like the odds in my favor if possible with, <laughs> with <Yeah>. more of them. <laughs> Try and sure. chase one specific deer is really. Oh, it's hard. Really it's super hard. It kind of gets crazy. You get a tunnel vision obsessed with it. And then, I know. You know, it, you can. The thing you have to learn is like, you know, half of those deer to seventy five percent of them that you're after, like they're gonna die or someone's gonna shoot them or they're gonna disappear. So you have to be able to say, ah, oh, well, that was fun. On to the next one, like immediately, or else you're just gonna waste your season like feeling down on yourself because you know some guy shot your buck which is not really your buck <laughs> it's yeah. a wild animal so you have to have to learn that but no that's, that's how it goes that's that is that is so tough and like the sitting john how, how are you with sitting like for long periods of time in the same spot i can do it but um last year i started i hunted out of a saddle all year um i don't think i hunted the same spot twice um, I had a really good spot. I, it's, it would, it was good last year too, that I hunted two years ago and I had a fixed stand there. Um, that was on New caught, York in public. Yeah. I'm sorry. In New York on public. Yep. Yeah. It was just a big funnel through, uh, just on, on a big ridge. Um, I kind of nicknamed that spot as my missing trees because I missed three bucks out of that three <laughs> right here. <laughs> one um, of them's still around. But, yeah, one of them's still around, and, yeah. But, um, yeah, I uh, I can sit for a while. Um, 
I don't have a problem doing it. Usually what drives me out of a tree is getting work done and editing. Yeah. Usually yeah. is what it is. But ever since I started hunting out of the saddle, I just like, it made me go to a lot more places because if I was self-filming or if I didn't have somebody with me, I'm like, I always, would, I talked myself out of trying new stuff way more. Cause I'm like, Oh, I got a lug of stand in with a tree arm and a yeah. 10 pound camera and sticks and like climb up 600 feet of elevation. So, yeah. but, um, you know, and you know, a lot of the stuff you were doing or have been doing is like learning new areas, right? Kind of like scouting, scunting, as you call yeah, it. Yeah, call it scunting. Scout hunt, yeah. scout hunting. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> and so, then that's a great approach if that's what you're doing your first or second year. You're trying to learn an area. Yeah, hunt around, keep moving, see new country. If you see some signs set up on it's it, last year yeah. was really only the second year that I seriously hunted that area. Like I hunted, I deer hunted, but like I said, I was doing a lot of waterfowl uh, producing shows for waterfowl, so. Um, with that and deer, the, the seasons interlap so much, so it's hard to be really good at both. It, yeah. You know, and I talk about sitting in the same tree for a week straight and knowing all, but if I didn't have that confidence and have a spot that I believed in and have that information, I would not sit. Yeah. A, a good example of that is last year, Ross killed a buck in New Hampshire who is part of just hunt club and we do most of our hunting together in New Hampshire and well all over, but, um, and I was kind of up to hunt, if you will, because Russ had filled his, his tag in New Hampshire, his gun tag. And there was a, a pretty good buck that I w- was really interested in trying to kill. And I didn't know that much about him because he had just shown up that year, maybe two or three weeks before. Um, and I did, I sat like twice for him. And then I just like ran cameras, like scouted. We did a lot of like still hunting. A lot of skunting. A lot of skunting. Like, because we just did, I didn't feel confident. I didn't want to, I don't like wasting my time. And I don't, yeah. and I guess if you're in the woods, you maybe you're never wasting your time. But like, I don't like sitting in a place and like 100%, not 100%, but I'm really confident that this buck is probably going to walk by here at some point um, or one of these bucks. And I didn't feel that way. So last year, I didn't do that. I kind of just scouted around, sat here and there and ran some cameras. Um, learn more about that buck. So, and now we have a couple spots where I think I'd feel pretty confident sitting this year on them. Whereas last year I just didn't because, you know, we just didn't know that much about them. So yeah. if you're trying to learn a spot and you don't have that intel, maybe sitting in the same tree is not smart. I mean, you might be wasting your time. You might be in yeah. the wrong spot and you just don't know it. So I would say move around, run cameras, scout until you find that right spot and you feel confident. And then when you find it, ride it <laughs> that's a really good that's a really good point because you can't just go out and or find the first sign you see and no. sit on it for seven days and expect like to to be able to to have success in it and everything and, I, and like i was getting i was getting mad at myself last year because i was it was a brand new area and you knew the one buck i was chasing and mm-hmm. and i was bouncing around quite a bit and i'm like i got i got to or i'd I'd sit in a spot and then I'd move and then he'd come by there and I'm like, why didn't I stay? But I didn't have that confidence because I didn't know at the time. 100%. Now I know some of that stuff and right. it makes it easier because so your confidence is everything when it comes to it's especially all mental. sitting. It's in, a mental game. It like, is. I, when I was younger, didn't ha- I just didn't have quite the grasp I do now on this type of stuff. And I couldn't sit all day, and I couldn't even sit for more than two hours. I remember it would kill me to sit till nine o'clock in the morning. Yeah, I could. I just because I didn't. I wasn't confident. I didn't believe in my spot. I didn't know. I was like, I just, 
I got to go look. I got to go find and, you know, scout. And I, I could never say. I remember probably 2010 was maybe the first time I sat all day. And I was, like, so proud of myself. <laughs> I sat in a tree all day. I was like, I can't believe I just did that. Now I can literally sit for a week straight dark to dark in the same tree. And I don't. I don't ever want to climb out. I'm, I'm like, good all day. I'm never, like, bo- I'm, like, a, a, Every day I sit here is a day closer to that buck walking by because I feel confident he's going to walk by. But if you don't have that confidence, then don't sit in the yeah. don't sit all day in the same tree. And how you learn is by the the scouting portion yep. of it. So like especially if you're still learning or trying to like you know new to the big woods or just new to an area. Yeah, yeah. It, I would say it's it would be really tough for me with my style to come to his place and kill a buck on my first year probably not going to happen with my style like it's just not realistically like i i don't i like to plan and learn and i play the long game that's how i do it and i enjoy it that way it's more of a story it's more of a development a process a journey i enjoy that part of it like walking in and killing a deer uh you know everybody gets lucky and if every once in a while and if i were to get lucky like that's great but like that's not going to mean as much to me and i'm not going to you know, learn if you are a type of guy that can go into an area like this and kill on your first year, and like that's awesome. You got, yeah. But you're probably doing it differently than me, which is fine. Um, I'd say the only way you can do that consistently. Well, I shouldn't say that. The only way that I can see myself doing it consistently is probably tracking. I always say that tracking is a way that you can get into the biggest deer in an area in a day or two if you have tracking snow on the ground. That is the that's your golden ticket <laughs> to, to success on like a first time or a first year. Tracking is so, <coughs> excuse me. Tracking is so cool too, because you just like, you like, you talk about trail cameras and everything, but you learn so much about deer just mm-hmm. by tracking. Um, mm-hmm. I tracked a buck in New York last year and I tracked him for six miles. And I mean, it was like perfect conditions. It snowed through the night and quit like right at first light. So like everything we had was, you know, an hour or two old. So I tracked that buck for six miles and literally followed everywhere that he went all in daylight. You know, everything, everything he did. He walked under four tree stands, four different people. <laughs> really? Yeah. And it was just all daylight. I tracked him for six miles and <laughs> now like probably one of my best spots going into this year is from what I learned tracking that deer. Um, just where he ran into where there was groups of does that he would go bump around and then move off and go to it. So I found a bunch of different like doe groups throughout that six mile track that he, you know, went to. And that is something that I put in my back pocket for, you know, you know, later in the rut when those deer really around me, it's like, it seems like November, right before rifle season, um, like November 11th through the 16th, they just go, and just go everywhere. Um, that's when I always get a bunch of pictures of big deer, um, just that, that just show up out of nowhere. Um, and that's usually what they're doing is we have like those little doe groups and they're just leaving their core area where they, Mm -hmm. and just cooking, um, to find other stuff. So, and I found tracking and when you're, so it's helpful when you're tracking a buck to try to figure out what he's doing and what kind of mood he's in and how he's behaving. If it's a buck that's just feeding or like going to bed or moseying around, He's going to do one thing. If he's looking for does and on the move, he's doing something else. And you can probably figure that out pretty quickly, what he's mm-hmm. doing if you follow him for a couple hours or a few miles. But um, those bucks that are traveling, looking for does, you can learn so much about those, where they're looking, how they're using the terrain. Because when a buck is, like, feeding and, like, 
moving across his habitat, his landscape, he travels totally different than when he's looking for does. Yeah. It's a totally different, he takes different trails, different routes, all that stuff. And I think that those trails are taking in between doe groups are like highways, as I call them. And we'll put cameras on these highways and get, like I had said, no pictures until November 7th or 10th or 15th. And all of a sudden it's like, boom. And now, you know, those deer are, they're on the move. They're taking those highways and that's when we'll sit those spots. But you learn, a lot of times you can learn about those from tracking a buck in November and you learn some spots that are unbelievable that you never even think of. And we've, we've identified a few of them that are like perennial producers based on tracking a buck. And then if, you know, you track one buck and then the next year or three weeks later, you track a different buck and he goes to the same spot and you're like, oh, okay. All right. <laughs> this is, yeah. that, the first one was not a, an accident and you kind of realize why they're doing it and it all clicks and then those can and then you know monitor that spot with the camera and then that's like reveals everything and now you have one of those spots i'm talking about so that's a great way to to get a, into it a lot of those spots that you're saying highways though you know without and correct me if i'm wrong but without snow it may not look like a spot you know like no. it's not a highway trail yeah you know you're calling right. it highway yep. Yep. 100%. for 100 percent. no but it's, a highway it's something because, that you wouldn't be like yeah. oh this there's a lot of deer that are running no. through here yeah right and when i say highway i don't mean that like every deer in the woods is running that trail year round i mean that when bucks probably particularly mature bucks are going i call it zombie mode that's the way i say yeah it. they're just the, like literally like freaking zombies they're just like you know, tongue out, mouth open, like 65 degrees, it's noon, and they're just like, uh, just like going, like going down the trail, like going for, to that next doe group. When they're in that type of mode and, and, you know, exhibiting that type of behavior, they will take these trails and these paths of least resistance, paths that give them wind advantage where they can wind check doe groups or, you know, the quickest way. They just want to keep hitting, okay, is she in here? Okay. All right, there's another doe group half mile up the ridge. Go check her. Okay, there, there's two in the bottom a mile away. Got to go north. Like, they'll just keep going on these circuits, keep checking these does, and that's what we see. Um, and you can find those tracking really effectively. You can find them in a couple hours, or it might take you five years to find them without snow. So that's a great way yeah, that um, is to that. learn is tracking a buck. Even if, like, even if you're – even if I would even say – you know, we have a lot of, all our gun seasons are in November for the most part in the Northeast. Well, I shouldn't say it, in New England. Yeah. Maine, New Hampshire, Vermont's a little later, but it's still pretty early. Um, I'll say Northern New Hampshire, how about that? And where most of the tracking is done. Um, so mo- pretty much if we're, we have snow, we have a gun and we can track and kill a deer. But I would say even like in a situation like out here, if it's still bow season, and you don't know what's going on, get on a track, like, mid-November yeah. and, like, I mean, learn something from them. Last, I mean, the last couple of years, we've had snow in that 14th, 15th, 16th, yeah. last few days of the season in November. And what I've found with those dates around here is it's mostly dead except for the biggest of the big are moving at that time frame. Like, my cameras don't have much activity, but the big ones are zombie right. at that point. For that's just yep. in this specific area, but it makes a lot of sense. And and you know, like the the tracking thing, like my my grandpa had done that a lot, and I hadn't done it a whole lot up this point. But one things hanging out with Johnny Stewart was taught me late season in January. I was doing mm-hmm. it. You're not learning as much about the doe groups and no. stuff like you guys are talking about, but you're learning how they are still moving through an area and. 
and sure. understanding, you know, that, that type of stuff. And it's, it's, it's a super interesting Is that concept. Flintlock? Flintlock. Yeah, yeah. That seems really cool. Yeah. And you, <laughs> the one thing that I learned about tracking is I think as hunters, we tend to get such tunnel vision and think these bucks are living in this hundred acre area and that's like their core area and all that stuff. And when you track and you realize he blew through that hundred acres in like four minutes <laughs> and you're like, oh, maybe he spends like 7% of his time here. Yeah. Like, I need to look way bigger picture. Like, and that's a thing that you don't realize. You're like, oh yeah, I think he's living up high. You know, he's been up high the last couple months and you realize he went from high to low in five minutes and covered a mile. And you're like, oh, maybe he just doesn't say up high. Maybe he goes high, low, all over the place. Yeah. So that's, that's what tracking has really helped me to do is look big picture and realize that like, I'm going to have to track deer five to 10 miles. Oh, and it's in it a is day. So like during daylight, that buck. What was that 10 one that miles. we tracked in mass? No man, we tracked. That thing a lot was of ridiculous, yeah. and it happens all the time. You just don't. But we realize. learned. I mean, we learned a pro a piece of property that. I mean, how big <laughs> was sure. the chunk? Oh, I think it this is at least two to three thousand acres. Maybe and we bigger. learned a, a lot, lot of really day. good stuff that we can go back in there yeah. and hang cameras and probably and have those bucks will bring you to those big scrapes those right. big signpost rubs like the big fun they'll bring you right through them and show them to you it's just like it's like hey i'll take you on a tour of what i do yeah. in this area what better way to learn about a buck yeah. in the area than ha- just follow him and watch what he does the whole day it's perfect so if you can do that that's a really great way it's to, a cool it's a cool fast. feeling too because like i know um when like going back to the sitting thing you know you're sitting there all day anticipating, you know, what you think that deer is doing and hoping he comes by you. And then tracking, for me anyway, it's like, I know I am pursuing this animal and I know he's like, he's right there. Like yeah. he's right in front of me and I'm actively like, I can get on him any minute now, any minute, any minute. And it just kind of gives you that like drive to like yeah. keep going. And then you look at your track and you're like, holy crap, we walked, you know, seven and a half miles and climbed, you know. Yeah. That's 3, the interesting thing elevation. about tracking is you don't realize, like, you think you've been tracking for, like, an hour, and you look down, you've been, and you're like, oh, it's been three hours. Yeah. Yeah. Holy smoke. Like, you yeah. just get lost in it. You get so focused. It's it's really enjoyable. I'll tell one more story just about how you can learn that I just kind of thought of. I tracked. So I was hunting a buck in New Hampshire in 2012, and um, I was on this buck from, like, Velvet right through into November, and I was... He was just after dark. I had pictures of him. I didn't really have much daylight. I knew he was living in a really big swamp um, for the most part. And then coming out of that swamp and heading high, kind of the in reverse of what they usually do around here. But a lot of the food was up on the ridges. There was some apples and oaks. Um, so he'd bed down low in the swamp. It's thick, good bedding. And then leave the swamp and head up, up high in the evening. And I was getting his pictures there and trying to figure out where he was in this giant bottom. That's really difficult. Uh, no, it was first week in November. I went in there to check a camera. I actually just got back from hunting Ohio and, um, we got like two inches of snow and I ran in there like mid morning to check a camera. And I, I, the camera that I always got his picture on coming out of the swamp, um, he, there was a big set of tracks walking right by in the snow. And I was like, I wonder if that's him. Check the camera. Sure enough, it's him going back in the morning to bed or going back at least in the swamp. So I, I tracked him. I didn't really want to kill him tracking him that day because I was just trying to like figure out his thing and I didn't want to kill him that way. But I did. I tracked him for maybe, I don't know, half a mile. And I found this one pinch point he went through in the swamp between, it was like standing water and then like a stream, actually a beaver dam is right on the backside of it more or less. Mm-hmm. 
And I was like, when I tracked him through it, the light bulb went off. And I was like, this is where I can kill this buck. Like in this little pinch point within the bottom he lives in. And um, I backed out and I killed him like a week later coming through that pinch point. Really? <laughs> yeah. A bi- I mean, 150 inch like tank of an eight point. <laughs> like just, just one of the best, you know, one of the prettiest, biggest New Hampshire deer you'll see. And, you know, that's... That if I hadn't have tracked him that day and learned that, I don't think I'd kill that deer. And I was on him the whole year, getting his picture, hunting him, hunting him, hunting him. But that little piece of information just that was it. That was all you needed. And that's all I learned. And it was like the light bulb went off. I was like, oh, of course, that makes sense. And boom, it worked. So I don't think it. I think I sat it. it might have been the first time I sat it. First or second time too. I think I hunted it maybe like two days in a row. It was the second day. So that definitely works. And when you're tracking them, you could also kill them right then too. Yeah. Which is which is great. So. I enjoy that a lot. Um, oh, learning. I mean, I like tracking and I've shot bucks tracking for sure and some big bucks, but I more enjoy following them and learning about their behavior and what they're doing. It's yeah. really Doesn't that give you, that, that gets me just as excited as anything is like all of a yes. sudden pieces of the puzzle start coming together. And, and when you're doing that type of stuff and you're like, and then you're visualizing in your head what could happen if you sat here and you're looking at the tree. And yeah. It's, it's so cool. I think probably some of these trackers and a lot of them don't sit at all but i think if they thought about it they probably have some of the most killers places to sit during the ride if they could just sit still but a lot of guys don't want to and that's fine that's not their style but man yeah you're like hey you got a spot where uh every time you <laughs> you track a buck in this uh in this piece of woods he walks by and they'll probably tell you like two or three spots yeah right there on the back side of the swamp or the cut or maybe yeah. he runs off the ridge there or whatever so yeah that's a, a really good way and it's really fun and uh, it's unique. It's something different, especially if you've been sitting from like, you know, September, October, most of November, you get some stuff. It's like, all right, let's stretch these legs and take the gun for a walk. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I, I totally agree. That's, that, that is so much fun. And I, I think like last year I really got into, I gun hunting became fun again to me because I let it be fun. Like I always look at gun hunting as like a, uh, a negative thing and not from the standpoint of what weapon it is, just because there's a lot more pressure yeah. during that time frame. Or it's just after the rut and for for us it's after the rut right. but i've learned so much the last couple of years by spending time with the, the rifle and walking around and mm-hmm. and tracking and just and just reading sign that way and finding these hidey holes that they like to go in and how they move through you know there might be um you know a whole set of woods and i'll just move to this one spot of cover that goes through instead mm-hmm. of walking down the trail where all the, the main trail is you know yep. just learning that type of stuff is super helpful yeah, I have. I used to be like bo 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 only, like in my head, and then like I don't know, I just don't care anymore. Like, I'm an really any weapon, weapon kind of guy. I, I am now. I, I never used to be, but I just I'm more about the deer than what I what weapon I have. I don't really care. I mean, I if I'm being 100 percent honest, I probably rather shoot a bucket 15 yards with my bow. Yeah. If I could choose, but if I shoot him at 60 with my rifle, I don't care. Like yeah. I don't whatever i just like learning about the animals and hunting that those animals and that's that's the part for me that is you know does it for me is yeah about them. the way the way you said that reminded me i i did a podcast with robbie denning he's a mule deer killer yep. out west and and just he's like i i hunt for the opportunity that i have for a specific deer that i'm going at. yes he's like if that's with a muzzleloader that's with yep. the bow or that's with a rifle i don't care he's yep. like i'm going for my best opportunities for what i have yeah that's that's kind of where i'm at now i used to just be he said just oh, i have to do it with the bow and now i'm like i don't care yeah. i just want to 
get on that deer and kill them and, and learn about them and whatever, how it happens, it happens. I don't like, you know, some deer I've killed with a bow early season. I've killed them with a bow during the rut. I've killed them with a rifle during the rut. I've killed them with a muzzleloader. I've killed them late season track. I don't care. They all mean the same. I, I learned about the animal, hunted that animal and, and found a way to kill them. So I think that's, that's what I like to do. I mean, if you just like the bow hunt, that's great too. Whatever. Yeah. I mean, that's different for everybody. Yep. So. Exactly. Right. Just got to be honest with yourself and do whatever makes you happy with it. So you guys think, uh, you're going to come up for a week or come down, I guess for a, yeah, I don't know. We, I'm going to play it here. Two of the cameras I hung are cell cameras. So yeah, that's a, how many did we hang? Eight today? Yes. Eight, nine, yeah. something like that. But I'm, I'm close enough that if things you, get yeah. heated up, I can yeah, rip John's out pretty fast. Closer than if I Brett am. gives me the login for his cell cams. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> nope, they're dead. Yeah. <laughs> Don't go sit there. Yeah. yeah. Um, so as, you, as you're in the truck already. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm in the tree. No, it's just, don't, yeah, not worth it. Um, I don't know what we'll do. It may not be a full week. I, you know, it's unfortunate, but it seems like a lot of the places that I want to spend more time hunting don't have Sunday hunting. Yeah. And that really, you know, I have a full-time job, so I do have a fairly flexible schedule where I can kind of make some things work, but man, not having those Sundays really kills me. And you know, the other two States that I really want to spend a lot of time in are Maine and Massachusetts. And both of them also do not have Sunday hunting. So it's like, man, that's so tough. Like it, you know, if you can only get out for a weekend, especially if you're traveling, I mean, this is almost eight or nine hours from where I live. Um, and so it's tough to do that for like a day. I'm probably not gonna. Right. Um, so it's at that point I have to take time off. Um, and then I'm, I know I'm taking time off a couple weeks later for, you know, Hampshire rut. So it gets pretty tough. So we'll see, we'll play it by year. Maybe a couple long weekends and maybe a four or five day stretch. Um, yeah, it's more to learn that is. <laughs> to learn this year. Yeah. Oh, it's tough. So we'll cool. see. John will probably get out a lot more often. Yeah. I would say. We always say that and then it, yeah. I know. It's so slammed with all, everything else. Yeah. But. <laughs> Part of the issue is we just have so many things we want to do. There's not enough time to do them all. I right? know. Hey, that's a good thing. If we didn't have any hobbies or passions and right. we're trying to find things to do, I don't know. That's not for, that's not for me. I like being too busy with it. Yeah. No, I do too. For sure. <clears throat> well, cool. Thanks. I appreciate you guys taking some time out before you have a long, tiring. Well, it's not that yeah, long of a drive, but yeah, whole day a, a hike in here. So let's start out, John. Where can people find you at, and um, if they want to check out your stuff? Yeah, I'm not as active on my uh, personal stuff as I am on um, just the Just Hunt Club channel. I mean, my personal Instagram is at jlewis92, I believe. And then, but for the most, mostly to stay up to date with what we're doing, it'll all be at Just Hunt Club for Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook. Um, and yeah, we got a lot of cool stuff coming this, uh, this fall. I think we're going to kick it yeah. off in South Dakota, Alberta. South Dakota, Alberta. Back to They South let Dakota you across the border. Border, will. yeah. PA. Yeah. Probably some Mass, maybe some Maine. Definitely New Hampshire. Definitely New York. Yeah. And yeah, we got lots to in waterfowl stuff if you're into that. Yep. Um, yeah. Um yeah, I mean we kind of have to... a little bit of everything. Yeah. Um you know, we do waterfowl, uh whitetails, turkeys in the spring. But really pretty much throughout the fall there's two or three different episodes going up on our YouTube channel every week. So, absolutely. Cool. And Brett, where can people find you? Yeah, at? go to Just on Club. That's the best play. I'm be, I feel like I'm 
less and less active in my personal account. <laughs> I'm just tired. <laughs> I don't have time. I'm like, oh, man. But if you want to, it's uh, BrettJoy22. But go to Just Hunt Club and, and follow it there. That's the <laughs> best place. It's particularly the YouTube channel. If you guys can, if you're interested, please please go in there, subscribe, and tell us what you think of our stuff. And hopefully you can relate to it and learn something. And, uh, you know, you can see some, some sort of uh, resemblance to your situation if you're a hunter in the Northeast or maybe anywhere, really. But yeah, yeah. Um, that's kind of where we're we're focusing on so. you know I, I get more and more listeners from different parts of the country that don't have even any big woods or anything like that they just love hearing about it yeah. cause it's so different than right you know people from texas and oklahoma it's so and stuff and it's, yeah it's it's cool to cool to you know see that and, and hear that but and definitely everyone that's listening when you go on their youtube click that subscribe button that helps out i mean for them that helps out for me on the podcast and youtube like that's what really helps Helps us out as as we're creating stuff and putting it on. Yeah, if you want to keep you know consuming this type of content, and want <laughs> we want to well, keep yeah. doing it, that's yeah. how it's gonna how it's gonna be. So yeah, it's just the way that it is. Well, anyways, thanks for coming on, guys. I uh, really appreciate it. Thank you for having. Thank us. you. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of East Meets West Hunt with your host, Bo Martonic. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit eastmeetswesthunt.com, Facebook at East Meets West Outdoors, and Instagram at East Meets West Hunt. If you enjoyed today's episode, please review and subscribe, and we'll catch you next time.